0: I feel like we've got a bit of a happy crowd today, a bit of a live crowd. So I'm going to take a couple of risks this morning. I want, to, uh, you, want you to shout out something that you're really good at. Who wants to go first? Something you're really good at. Or I'll start picking. Huh? Manny says he's really good at banter. Yes, 100%. Manny's good at banter. Who else? What else? Come Arguing. on. So what was that? Arguing. <laughs> Arguing, Daniel. No, you're not. You are great at arguing, Daniel, thank you. What about some more practical things? Uh, something that, uh, that you're really good at that's a bit more practical. Dishes. You're good at doing dishes, Arthur, okay. Well, take, take that under advisement. Uh, anyone else? Huh? Plants, Shell is good at growing plants, uh, unless they're in the office, right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> growing plants, anyone else? Decluttering. Okay, yes, yeah, so <laughs> yeah, everyone wants to know this lady right here. Decluttering, anything else? Smoking, ah, smoking, uh, smoking meat. Let's have that clarification for Ben. <laughs> smoking meat, uh, no, I can't do it. Yeah, smoking meat, correct, anything else? Table <coughs> Table tennis. Table tennis. You so wouldn't. Pastor Jess says she's good at tabletons. We'll be nice to her. (laughs) Anyone else? Procrastinating. Procrastinating. Thank you, Lynn. Yes. All right. I want you to imagine that you're watching someone do something that you are good at. So, what are you? This is rhetorical. Think about something you're good at. And I want you to think of that right now. And you're watching someone else do what you're good at and you want to tell them how to do it better. How's that going to go? It's going to go one of two ways, right? You're going to go up to them, and you're going to talk to them, and you're going to say, you know, imagine if you did it this way. How are they going to react? Some people are going to take that on board, and they're going to embrace that feedback, and and, and they're going to be better at it. Other people are going to bunker down and say, no. If you just did it this way, if you just used the right type of flour when you bake that cake. If you just spun your wrist a bit different as you hit that ball. If you just let the meat rest just a bit longer, it might be good. If you, if you, if you. The passage that we're looking at this morning, the writer has these questions. If you just did this and if you just did that and it's almost and I really hesitate I've been wrestling with this word it's almost like there's some sort of transaction that's going on if you and of course he's going to be talking about your relationship with God if you just did this if you just did this things would go better and so it's really supremely important as we look at these five verses, who he is talking to. Because you would really find yourself making some mistakes about this if you, if we don't catch who it is that he's talking to. If you. He is absolutely, unequivocally, talking to Christians and to believers, to people that would call themselves a Christian a Christ follower so this morning if that's who you are if you're on that journey this is actually for you if you if you so let's have a look 1 John chapter 5 verses 5 to 10 and you're gonna notice and hopefully I've got them all uh, the if yous in this passage this is the message we have heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. Let's, uh, let's continue on our little game. And I want you to say out loud when I say, The if we's can we do that? This is the message we have heard from Jesus, and now declare to you: God is light. There is no darkness in Him at all. So we are lying if we we say we have fellowship with God, but going on living in spiritual darkness, we are not practicing the truth. But are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. I want to be in the light. As you are in the light, I want to shine like the stars in the heavens. Oh, Lord, be my light. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Claim we have no sin. We are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But confess our sins to him he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins to cleanse us from all wickedness claim we have not sinned we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts that phrase is used multiple times and it feels like there's some sort of transaction going on here some sort of to and fro in the relationship and so That's why it's super, super important that we understand who he's writing to. Because when you get saved and when you say yes to Jesus for the very first time, it is by grace you have been saved. And this is not of yourself. This is a work of God. The Holy Spirit has a tug at your heart and you feel the sense that I need to surrender my life to Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes and he works in your life and you feel that tug, and you say yes to Jesus. Have you done anything to get that? Have you been a good person? I'm a good person, so therefore I'm going to go to heaven. That's not true. When you enter into the relationship with Jesus and you enter into eternal life, imagine that. When you become a believer, you are now having eternal life. And eternal means, well, here it is. I now have eternal life and it's stretching forward. So you're going to be with Jesus. That has happened and that is an act of God's grace, which means it's unmerited. You have not deserved it. So why is John talking the way he's talking? Why is he talking in this transactional sense? Why is he saying... If we. If we. It may be tempting to think that once we become a Christian, that's it. It may be tempting to think, I've got my ticket and that is it. There's nothing more I need to do. I can now live however I like to live. Someone this week, we're having a conversation around this and they said... You know, there's one thing to have faith. It's another thing to be faithful. It's one thing to have faith. It's another thing to be faithful. To live in the light. To understand and experience the presence of God. To know what it is that he wants you to say yes to today. Okay, you've said yes back here. But what is it he wants you to say yes to now? What's next for you? Some of you are actually are stalled in your faith. Some of you could tell me a great story about something that God did in your life three years ago or five years ago. If I'm honest, I'm not that real. I mean, that was, that's a good story. But what's God doing today? What is God doing in your life today? How are you being challenged? And how are you saying yes to Jesus? And how is he changing you today? You've expressed faith. Uh, where is your faithfulness? How is your life going with Jesus? That's a question I want you to ask. When I was uh, born, I was born into the Edwards family. I have a mother and a father. I had uh, two older sisters. I had cousins. I had a whole group of other people that are now my community. I did nothing really to be born into the Edwards family. But if I want to maintain that family, if I want to continue on and be part of that family and have a relationship and really identify with the culture and the nature of that family, there are things I need to do and places I need to be. I need to be a certain person. I may be part of the Edwards family. I may have been born into that family, but what now? It's an analogy that's gonna break down, but there is some truth there for you. You call yourself a Christian. You say I'm a Christ believer, but w- what are you doing? How are you living your life that you continue to be called one? I, you know what the greatest thing I want to see for myself, and the greatest thing I want to see for you and for all of us, I, I want to see growth. I, I don't want to see stagnation. I don't want you to, to, to be the same person you were, because if you're the same person, then, then, then where is the Holy Spirit in your life, and where is the challenge? And what's God doing in your heart, in your life? How have you changed as a believer? How have you grown as a believer? What is different now? What can you say? Okay, look at this. This has changed. Because there are things that need to change. Ways you need to, to grow. I want to go back. I want to go back to 1 John. John 1. I want to go back to John 1. In the Gospel of John... And there's parallels in this passage about the light. I want you to think about the light. In the beginning, the Word already existed, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him. And nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness can never extinguish it. Why, why does God want you to live in the light? Why does he want you to be in the light? What does light do? We step out of the light and it's hard to see things. And there's dangers outside of the light. And what do we do? If we want to be out of the light, what are we doing? Well, we're doing things that we don't want people to see. And we don't want people to know about. Darkness. Darkness. It's not where you're meant to be. It's not how you're meant to be living your life. And there's definitely and absolutely a choice that you will choose as a believer, as a Christian, that you will choose to come into the light. Things won't be hidden. People can see and you can see. And you can see the path, and you can see what you're meant to do, and you can see where you're meant to go. And it's warm in the light. Of course, this is a moral term. We're not talking about a physical thing, but the analogy works, doesn't it? What are the choices you're making in your life? Where you're choosing to live in the light. And John, because he's writing to a church, he's really nailing down on this. Because as I shared last week, there was a bunch of people that had, had left had said they were believers, but they'd gone off and they were no longer believing, but more than just believing things about Jesus, they were, just, they were off saying a whole heap of other stuff and they weren't together anymore. They'd left the fellowship and they were away from the light. And John makes the analogy that actually we're all here together in the light. And being in the light means we are together. It means we're sharing life and we're doing life together. And he's, he's preaching to the church. You look at Revelation where he talks about the seven different types of churches you can go through. It's a great study to do. But he's, he's talking to people in churches. And he's saying, are you in the light? Are you in the light together? And it's about choice. And so there's three things. And we'll move on. There's three things in this passage that I see. That God has the authority to declare what morality is. (laughs) This is really fraught with danger when I say this. Because if you're honest, what you're perhaps like me, you're automatically thinking. God has the right the authority to declare what morality is. He is the standard of morality. He is the one that gets to say how things should be and what is good, what is holy, what is right. That is God that declares that. And if we're not careful, what we will do with that statement is we will misuse it. We will misuse it. Listen, we will misuse it to declare morality over those people that are outside the church. And we will say, this is how you should be living. This is what you should be doing. This is what God says is right. And we will actually use that as a weapon. And we will become the moral police. And this has been a problem in churches where we will seek to impose that morality over other people. Can I tell you, this is actually a statement for you. In terms of your life and the Lordship of Christ in your life, don't worry about what other people are doing. Don't, don't worry about, don't get all head up about what this group of people over here or that group of people, that's, you know, that's not actually really your concern. Stand up for injustice, stand up for the poor, stand up for people that need someone to stand up and, and bring light and truth and salt to the world. Absolutely. But are we the moral police? Do we get to decide morality for someone else? No. This is a statement for you and in your own life. God gets to say what morality is, what is holiness, and what isn't holiness. He is. He is. The light. God has that authority. We do not have that authority. (laughs) You know, years ago, Christians, um, Christians used to say things like, you can't have tattoos, you can't watch sport on Sunday, you can't have a glass of wine, you can't go to the movies. I reckon there's many in this building that want to be stuck under that type of rules, if we're honest. You know, <laughs> there's a whole heap of things that as churches and Christians we have said throughout the ages, which now none of us probably want to embrace. It's just a shift of your focus to, to what does God actually say. Because he is the one that has the authority to declare what morality is. And you might find yourself getting in a twist and saying, well, it's okay, I can do this and I can do that. And is this truly what it says? Is that truly what God, well, maybe, yeah, it is. Maybe, yeah, it is. God gets to decide that. Second thing I see in this passage is that sin is real. And sin is real. And we become a Christian, we say yes to Jesus. That does not stop you from doing sin. (laughs) It doesn't stop you from messing up. All of us mess up. I've told this story a few years ago. It's a true story. It sticks in my mind and it fits. I want to share it with you again. So if you've heard it, sorry. But it was a warm day and I was sitting in my office back years ago, 20 years ago in the Bedford church office and the phone rang, ring, ring, not the phone in the pocket, but the, it was, that was a long time ago, right? I pick up the phone, yes, hello, uh, you want to see me, yeah, that's fine, come down. Person comes down, never met the person before, comes into my office, this is a true story, no, no, you know, this is a true story. <laughs> guy comes in sits down and he says I want you, I don't think you should be going to your church I think you should be coming to mine I said okay that's interesting who, who comes to your church well it's me and my wife okay alright I should come to your church and why should I come to your church and he says because we are sinless we have achieved sinlessness and I'm thinking if I'm coming to your church mate it's, that's no longer going to be the case uh, <laughs> but it's not the case anyway and I drilled down on him and he truly believed that he had achieved the the nirvana of being a sinless Christian and and I have to be at this point I actually got angry and I said get out of my office and I took him out showed him the door and I did this which may seem a bit immature but it felt good at the time (laughs) and I went like this does anyone know what I'm doing? shaken off the dust as he walked away. That's a lie to think that he had achieved that. None of you, none of you are sinless. In fact, you sin more than what you know or like to admit. We all do, we mess up, we're jealous, we gossip, we get angry without cause, we say the wrong thing so many things think of your own <laughs> david says in psalm 139 23 to 24 search me o god and know my heart test me and know my anxious thoughts point out anything to see feedback what if you know we are sitting there and god is saying what if you just you know what if what if and it's a journey okay it is a journey he doesn't change everything all the time or as quickly as what we like. Point out anything in me that offends you. Do you see what David is doing? Lord, show me. Show me. I want to be in the light. I want to be in the light. Lead me along the path of everlasting life. Search me and know my heart, oh God. I, I, I truly think that denying and not being open to the Spirit, that may be the worst sin of all, to not humble ourselves before the Lord. To humble yourself before God and say, Lord, I am a sinner. And I've messed up and I've messed up again. I love, for me personally, when someone comes and they tell me the things that they've done wrong, maybe they confess those things or whatever, it's instantly we're friends. Because I'm like, you're being honest, you're being authentic. The very opposite of what we may think actually happens. You know, when we're honest with someone and we tell them, that you know, I've messed up here. It's like, okay, great, great. Let's talk, you know, because that's authenticity. I love that. And I, I know God loves that too. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. You know, I wonder, with my final point, as I bring my final point to you. And I'm doing something this morning because I just, I want you to remember it. And maybe you'll be thinking, this is a bit funny, this is a bit weird, but that's okay. I want you to remember something we're about to do. Old pastor of mine, uh, pastor that actually inspired me to be a pastor, used to grab this verse. And he called it the Christian bar of soap. If we confess our sins, he is faithful, he is just, he will forgive us our sins and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I think for some of you this morning, you don't need me to point out that you're a sinner. You are keenly aware of it. You know you're a sinner as a believer and it's something that gets you down and perhaps even stops you and hinders you from entering into everything that God has for you. I was literally talking to someone recently about they, want, uh, they had a problem they want to pray for and they said, I don't feel worthy of being prayed for. I'm staggered by that. So this is the thing, right? Some of you need to understand you're a sinner. You need to open yourself up to God and you need to, s- to stop being so self-righteous. And deal with your rubbish. A harsh word, right? It's true. Some of you need to understand you are forgiven. And you can enter into all the good things God has for you. You know, we go through life and make a mess. There's a lot of dirt and rubbish all over us. And we do things where... We're just really glad that no one sees. A lot of dirt. <laughs> A lot of grime. We don't want to show our hands because we've messed up. Continue to mess up, and it's dirty and it's black and it's disgusting. Perhaps we even disgust ourselves sometimes. How are we? live our lives and what we've done. Some of you this morning are feeling this way. <laughs> but if we get some Christian soap, one John, one night, and if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just. And he will cleanse us. He'll make you clean. Are you perfect? No. No, you're not. There may be consequences of some of the things you've done, which maybe you live with. But if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just. He will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Isn't that beautiful, to know God's grace in such a way? Father, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you, Lord, so much for the gospel, Lord, which is simple and beautiful and pure, good. Thank you, Lord, for all the good things that you've given to us all. Thank you, Lord, for every person that's here this morning that's heard the gospel and heard the word of God thank you Lord that forgiveness is here forgiveness is available Lord as um, Janet comes now and leads us in communion Lord may this be a time of confession may you work it upon our hearts Lord may we do something that is demonstrating what's happened in our heart Lord we pray in Jesus name